Hello and welcome. This is Reverend Mark Bishop, Interim Pastor here at St. Paul United Church of Christ in Wapakoneta, Ohio, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here. We say this because we try to live God's extravagant welcome. You are always welcome to be a part of our family at St. Paul UCC here in Wapak. May God bless us abundantly as we worship together. As we prepare for our annual meeting this morning, I'm going to keep the sermon very short and to the point. Our annual meeting is about the business part of the church. The Bible doesn't give us much guidance to go on with these kinds of matters. This is understandable since there was no church building to maintain when the scriptures were being inspired and Staff were paid with meals and lodging. Their pastors were often itinerant pastors. And their worship didn't revolve around the glorious musical traditions and the printed Bibles and the comfortable heat and air conditioning, which we now have 2,000 years later. What the Bible has to say about being rich with money and property, as most of us are, the Bible isn't really good news. The Bible says riches stand in our way of entering into the kingdom of God. We often try to tone this down and say that it's not having riches. It's how we use those riches for ourselves or for others. And there is absolutely some ancient wisdom and truth to that. But all that wisdom doesn't come from the Bible. It comes from another day as the traditions and theology of the church developed over the centuries. And it doesn't help us to understand the life and ministry and teaching of our Lord Jesus. So this morning I want to challenge you to relearn everything that you think you know about Jesus' life and teachings and calling of his disciples and to hear something very new, or, or should I say something very old, which we are just now beginning to understand about Jesus and his ministry and the life and, and the culture he lived in. Knowledge about the Roman Empire and the culture into which Jesus was born has exploded in the last 50 years. 
like almost every other field of endeavor, we have twice the knowledge in every field than we had 50 years ago. And because we now know more about the economic rules of the slave-based Roman world, we know about its system of taxation and its family practices and beliefs, our understanding of the familiar Bible stories are changing. The Bible isn't changing. Our understanding is growing and changing. We don't want that, do we? We're not comfortable with the teachings of the Bible changing, and yet it is true that our ability to interpret grows and changes as we mature as Christian Christians. And so today we heard Matthew's familiar description of the beginning of Jesus' ministry by calling two sets of brothers, Peter and Andrew, and then James and John. They were all fishermen. It's a story we've heard since we were children. If we went to Sunday school, we probably heard it 57 times in, in different ways. And I'm sure we've all heard sermons that encourage us to follow Jesus with our whole hearts and our whole lives. And after all, you know, the reasoning being that after all, the fishermen gave up their secure jobs to follow Jesus without even a question. They followed immediately, right? They sacrificed. That's good wisdom. We shouldn't get lost in all of our questions and doubts and insecurities before we follow the way of love and reconciliation, which is the way of Jesus. It's often by following first that our faith grows and solidifies gradually. It's in service that we find our purpose as Christians. There was a wonderful episode of The Chosen where Simon Peter, after he was called, was on his way home to tell his wife that he had decided to follow Jesus. Now just let that sink in. It's nothing from the scriptures. It was just an interesting way of thinking about it. The, 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 the Chosen is, a, is brilliant about helping us to understand the human part of the Bible stories. And so as we watched this episode, it was clear that Paul, Peter and his wife were already in financial trouble. And we were wondering how she was going to react to this news when Peter came home. Of course, we were imagining something like, we have these bills to pay and you're going to do what? And so the next scene is a wonderful and inspiring moment between husband and wife when she says, instead, of course you are. We've been waiting for the Messiah for a long time. Wow. What grace, what charm, how focused she is 
on the work of God in the world. Not very practical. They were still in financial trouble. They don't know how they ever got out of that. But this traditional wisdom doesn't get us a step closer to understanding what actually happened that day. There's another side to this calling of the disciples that we can only now in 2023 begin to understand about Peter and his wife. We've known for centuries that being a carpenter was a humble thing and and not a path that led anything into financial security. But what we've discovered in the last few decades of historical research is that the profession of being a fisherman was the lowest of the low. It was a profession which was highly regulated by the Roman emperor, and that can hardly ever be a good thing. And so all the really big fish which were caught were taken off the top for the tables of the Roman emperor's friends and appointees. It was a profession in which it was impossible to get ahead. And so when Jesus called these fishermen that day, he wasn't asking successful small businessmen to sacrifice all they had built with their hard work, which we often assume out of our own modern day thinking. Caesar literally owned the lake and all the creatures in them, and the best and the biggest fish which would have helped them to secure the future of their families was literally grabbed out of their hands and shipped off to the tables of the wealthy. In Jesus' time, you didn't work for yourself, you worked for Caesar. And in case it wasn't enough taking the big fish off the top, Then Caesar's tax collectors got their portion when the medium-sized fish were sold in the market. This was the way every country paid tribute annually to Caesar. And so when Jesus called these fishermen, why wouldn't they stop everything in hopes that anything would be better than the hopeless way they were living. With no future, no way out. Jesus knew that he was gathered, gathering together the lowest of the low, according to the economics of the world. He wasn't calling them to get ahead in another way, but to follow him, a poor carpenter. And to top it off, he wasn't asking them to, to he, was at, he was asking them to lean into their poverty, to embrace it. If he had two tunics, he was asking them to give one away. When he sent out the 70 trained disciples later in his ministry, he asked them not to take their purses and billfolds but to rely on the hospitality of the homes where they were welcome to teach and preach. They were asked to live a life of hospitality where they were on the receiving end 
of hospitality. We usually think of hospitality as the giving of out of our lovely homes and out of our abundance to host our friends and sharing with them. But hospitality in the Bible is something very different. It's the way God knows whether we participate in God's economy, in God's way of organizing us together as his people. Jesus begins his ministry living God's economy. Instead of living in fear of scarcity, he asked his disciples to celebrate each day in the abundance of God's economy. Trust that God will move everyone's heart to extend hospitality to these strangers who had come into town to preach about God's love and forgiveness. Jesus begins his ministry living God's economy. Instead of living as if everything depends on us, to live trusting that God will provide to live as the sparrows live, not worrying about what we will eat or wear. Jesus begins his ministry living God's economy instead of hoarding and tearing down small barns to build bigger ones. We're called to pour ourselves out in generosity and giving. Jesus begins his ministry living God's economy. They were not consumers and producers of wealth only. They were recognized themselves as givers, just as God had given to them, just as God has given to us. We are called to live generously abundantly with love and compassion. Now, I'm just a preacher. I don't know how all that translates into a church annual budget any more than you do. I'm not trying to guilt and shame you into or out of any comment or question that you may have later. All I'm pointing out is the ways of God are different than our ways. And we live in that in-between space, that in-between time. As we deliberate about church budgets, we're tempted to put on our worldly practices of balancing the budget. That's what we do in our own houses, right? To focus on the scarcity of money instead of the abundance of God's love. Now there is wisdom in being frugal and we need to be as wily as serpents in the world, but as we deliberate, we have to remember that parts of the church budget are a kind of faith challenge fiction, especially on the income lines where we don't know what's going to come in to those offering plates in 2023, do we? 
We're just guessing. We live with a hope that we will inspire enough people to give generously so that we together will be able to do the work of God in the world. It's a wonderful dream we have. We live in hope that we'll be able to live in God's economy of abundance and trust and generosity and as givers. May the Holy Spirit move among us today as we talk honestly with each other, remembering that we are all walking with Jesus, responding to his call to us to be his disciples. That's what our calling is, isn't it? What do we got to lose? We have everything to gain. We pray that you have found blessing and enrichment in joining us for worship today, as we are truly blessed to have you worship with us. Peace and blessings to you, and thank you for joining us today. If you would like to support the ministries of St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, you can do so in three ways. First, you can mail in your gifts to St. Paul at P.O. Box 147, Wapakoneta, Ohio, 45895. Secondly, you can send your gifts online from our website, stpaulucc.com. Lastly, you can text the amount you would like to give by texting us at 844-971-1800. Come join us again at St. Paul United Church of Christ here in Wapakoneta, where no matter who you are or where you are on life's journey, you are welcome here.